welcome to the Built on Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. Each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And join our active community at builtonair.com join. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OntoAir.com. Any business running on Airtable gets the value that Airtable has, but also needs a few more functions to complete their operations. That's where OntoAir comes in. It's a suite of tools for any business running on Airtable to maximize your operations efficiencies and automations. One customer, John, states that OntoAir enables his business to function properly without having to think about building their own software. And that is pretty invaluable. The OntoAir Airtable apps are amazing and we use them often and are very happy with the results. So join John and hundreds more customers and take your Airtable to the next level with OntoAir. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OntoAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome. Good to be with you again this beautiful Tuesday. We actually got snowed in last night, so we got a ton of snow here in Utah where I am. Good to be everybody with everybody again for another episode of the Built on Air podcast. This is season 10, episode 8. Uh, with us, myself, Dan Fellers, and Camille Parks. Good to see you again, Camille. Hello. And we have a new face with us, Ben Bailey. Welcome, Ben. Glad you could be with us. <clears throat> we'll learn more about Ben and his story later in the in the uh, episode. And welcome all that are joining us live. Good to have you with us. As always, the Built on Air podcast is a one-hour episode where we go through four different segments. I'll go through quickly what we're going to be talking about today. We will always start the discussion on what's going on in the Airtable communities in the Round the Bases segment. Then we'll do a spotlight on our primary sponsor, Onto Air. Then we'll learn more about Ben Bailey, what he's up to in the world of Airtable and how he's using it. And then he will go through uh, an interface that he's built for his company on marketing project management then we'll spotlight our built-on-air community and then end with a segment on an app a day talking about the Auto Ranker app. So with that, let's kick off with our Around the Bases. And I thought it'd be good to highlight a big announcement. We, we teased it last week um, that there was something company coming from the Airtable community and the Off the Record podcast that uh, is every other week on Wednesday night. And they just announced on their episode last uh, Wednesday that there will be a user conference for Airtable users in April, April 8th and 9th. And this will be in person. So they did this uh, a while ago. It was virtual. And I know Camille and I attended that one. And now they're doing it in person. So Chris Dancy is kind of uh, heading this up with Ben Green. So I'm excited. I'll be there. Camille, are you going to be there? Probably. 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 The, the joke with people who know me is that I never leave the house. And so <laughs> I suppose I could leave the house. You can get on an airplane. <laughs> yeah. 
All right. What about you, Ben? Is that a trip you're going to make to Austin? Uh, probably not this year. Uh, okay. My wife and I are expecting our second child in May, so probably Ooh. not. Probably not going to fly out that uh, that late in the game. All right, all right. That's a valid excuse. I suppose that's you know <laughs> acceptable. Yeah, that's good. Cool. Let us know in the comments if you're going to be there, and um, we would love to do it. We'll probably do a live episode of Built on Air podcast from the conference and try to talk to as many people that are there. It'd be great to get any of you that are going to be there. We'd love to have you on the show and um, talk to you. So I'm sure we'll, we'll do that. We'll plan on doing some other stuff that um, I think will be fun. So hopefully if you're out there listening and you're available in April, join, um, they're calling it the Dare Table Conference 2022. So check that out. Um, you can go to... Uh, they actually have a website for it, daretableconference.pori.app. And it's actually amazing. <laughs> like this website is pretty cool. Like I signed up and um, they built it all on Pori, obviously, and all the data is coming from Airtable. And I believe Chris mentioned that he's going to walk through one of the one of the sessions will be like how he actually built this. And you'll be able to walk away with a template to build your own website um, using Airtable. So it's pretty cool. It's got full login capability portal. Um, and so it's a, it's a no, nice uh, app to, to check out. So we may see some of you there in the comments. Some people uh, might be there, some might not. So we'll see how many uh, show up for that. I think the capacity is 200 from what I've been told. So um, depending on how many people are signing up, you might need to get in early. There's an early bird discount for $200 and then the price goes up after that early bird pricing. I'm pretty sure it's going to be live streamed if I'm not mistaken. So if you're not one of the first 200 people, you can still join in digitally uh, from wherever you are. Yeah, yeah. So very good. All right, let's move on. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what's going on in the Airtable community. Uh, I thought this was worth pointing out. Um, Jordan Scott, the Airtable community manager, posted that they'd like to get kind of use cases, studies on how people are using Airtable to power your product operations. So um, they're looking for some thoughts on that. So if you're using it in that capacity, check out this thread in the Airtable community. Feel free to add your own. Uh, Jean, who's a databaser, had some really good um, examples. I thought were really well done. And then others are sharing theirs as well. So kind of get a sense of how people are using it out in the wild for, um, that kind of use case. So I don't know what exactly they're going to do with these, if they're going to create some kind of case study or something. Um, not quite sure, but they're looking for, for uh, input there. Next topic, there's a new beta that just got released this week, uh, Twilio automation action. So if you do SMS or texting, and you want to incorporate that into an automation. <clears throat> they already had a Twilio app, right? That you could trigger off of a click of a button to send an SMS through the Twilio app. But now you can do it as part of an automation. So that's pretty cool. 
I don't know. Did either of you sign up for that beta? I have. Um, I haven't actually used it yet. I'm working with a client who is using Twilio in another capacity. Um, and so I, I have it on my account just in case we want to transition that system into using the Airtable automations. Um, you know, just generally, I, I like having uh, new actions and new integrations with uh, the automations. So happy to see it. Yep. Yeah, cool. and I don't have any use cases for our business uh, use of Airtable, but there are quite a few personal Airtable projects that I could see taking advantage of this. I mean, that's that said, I, I wouldn't pay for the the SMS uh, service, but if they had a free tier or something, um, yeah, I would I could totally be interested in that. They yes. do have a free tier, I believe. All right. Do you know, Camille? Um, I don't know, but something that kind of I wish. I could do for myself using Airtable automations is just good notification systems. Like I can't really get a, a push notification without a really roundabout way using Airtable automations, but, um, and I don't want to really connect it to Slack because I don't want to create my own personal Slack channel where it's just me that feels like overkill. But if I could send myself a text, that's like, Hey, remember to go to the store. That'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah, I've been, I don't know, I, I've been a Twilio customer for many years. And so I don't know if they still have this plan, but I'm on a plan where it's just you you prepay for a number of texts. So it's not a monthly subscription. And anytime my my usage is gone, then they just charge me another like $10 for another bucket of texts that lasts for six months or so. So it's uh, not too expensive. If they still have that plan, they might have gotten rid of the that pricing and only do monthly pricing, but it might be worth checking out. All right. So yeah. So if you're, if you're in need of uh, SMS, um, check out, check out the new beta on Twilio. Okay. Moving on. I thought this was a good, so this is from our Reddit community asking about a breakdown of the number of automation runs. Um, so they got an email saying their workspace had reached its limits and, um, wasn't quite sure how to figure out like their usage. So if you're in this case and you're trying to figure out like how many automations am I using before it gets used up, you can go into your account management. Um, and that's what the answers show that you can go into your account settings and it will show you. On a uh, on a base level, I think, right? How many runs per base? Yeah, um, I'm opening up my own account thing to see, just refresh my memory of how much detail it'll give you. Um, and I'm trying to find where automations is listed. Yeah, so it's for the workspace level. It will say. Um, I don't know. I can share my screen really quickly. So, uh, share. And then if you guys can see, um, here's one of my workspaces. And at the workspace level, it'll tell you how many automation runs you've used and how many sync sources. But at the base level, it'll tell you how many records and your attachment space. So, 
for number of automation runs, it's a little bit inconvenient in that you can't really see which automation is running those 308. Um, there's probably several going on at once and they're coming from different bases. So I know um, some of them are coming from my base. It's called Breakfast Burritos, the most important base that's <laughs> near and dear to my heart. And then some of them are coming from my the one that runs my actual business. Um, and then I think some of them are from a few other testing bases. And so it's a little, it's, it's, it's hard to kind of figure out what's going on. So I think you would have to click into, um, click into each base and then go to your run history. And it doesn't give you like a, this automation is run X number of times. So I have to count, um, by like the month. So it's not, it's, it's not great. I, I wish there was more like a dashboard or something that you could see for this kind of information. Or if this information were exposed via the API, you could build your own dashboard, but you can't. Justin, Justin says that somebody in the community said they contacted support and got a more detailed report from Airtable. So I, I wasn't aware of that. I haven't seen that report. So if you need it, that might be an option. Reach out to support. But it is, so um, So is it 50K per workspace or per base? Per workspace, um, or at least that's what it implies. Right. Um, Why did I, I thought it was per base. I'm learning, this is new to me. <laughs> well, let's, let's see. Well, that, um, what you showed made it imply that it was... Uh, Per workspace, it's fifty thousand records per base. That might be. Yeah, yeah. I knew that. I knew that. Um, but this person, yeah, they were saying fifty k runs per base. Um. So, anyways, yeah. If you know in the comments if it's fifty k per workspace or per base, because I always thought it was per base, but when I saw that account, that that. Uh, made me question that would be good to know because most people you know i know i put all my paid ones in one base or one workspace and so that could add up quickly <laughs> if you're using those heavily all right let's move on if somebody puts that in the in the comments we'll put it okay we're moving on to twitter and um so this was this one was kind of funny. So somebody said Airtable master list, 81 scripts on it so far, add the rest. And so I was like, oh cool. Somebody collected a bunch of scripts that you could run inside of Airtable. So I click on this. I didn't know I don't know who this person is. It just came up in searching Twitter for Airtable. Um, real quick, Justin says it's it's per workspace. So if that's the final word, then that's a little disappointing. But anyways, I click on this and I realize these are not coding scripts. These are scripts for shows or movies or something and not what I was expecting when I clicked on this. <laughs> so I thought that was funny. But anyways, if, you, if you're interested in a list of uh, TV shows or something, I'm assuming these are TV shows of some sort. Here's a good base for you, but if you're looking for coding scripts, this is not the base you want. 
All right. Next one also from Twitter. Um, if you're looking for ways to build like more full-blown applications on top of your data on Airtable, there's a couple options out there. Um, obviously like Softer and Pori and Stacker, kind of the more common ones that started with Airtable. There's a new entrant that started with Google Sheets called Glide Apps. And so Glide Apps has been around for a while, but they just went into beta with Airtable. And so I've never played with it. I've seen this around for a while, knowing that it was only on Google Sheets. So I didn't, I, ne I never really tested it. But um, if uh, you're looking to build more at kind of a portal type application, this is actually a pretty solid product. I know they've got a lot of customers that use it on the Google Sheets side. Now that it's got Airtable support, I might check it out and see if it's a viable option. So thought that was worth pointing out that that's now available. Glide apps. Okay, next one. Also kind of in the similar vein, Hacker News posted this. So it, this is getting a lot of eyeballs um, from Hacker News, which is very um, widely read. And it's another um, open source alternative to Airtable and Google Sheets. So it's called Grist, Grist Core. Um, so yet another open source alternative. There's, these seem to be popping up every month. <laughs> I have not heard of that one. Yeah, yeah, this is yet another new one. So add it to your list. At some point we should do kind of a comparison of all these alternatives, especially the open source ones that mm -hmm. um, people can try out. All right, next one. Um, so this was kind of interesting. Um, so this person, this one got a lot of like interaction. So I thought it was worth sharing. So somebody said, we're five to seven years away from no code in the big enterprise. And Ben, you can maybe speak to this working for a bigger enterprise. And Zoli, uh, I've met Zoli. She, has, she used to work at Airtable. I don't know, Camille, if you ever met her. Uh, she was in marketing for Airtable but left about a year ago and is somewhere else now. Uh, but she points out that it started years ago with Airtable, um, but the big enterprises just don't call it no code. And I thought this was interesting and, and we'll kind of get into this, Ben. I know you've got some thoughts on this, but if you don't know this name, Patrick McKenzie, speaking of Hacker News, like he is very well known. Patio 11 is his, is his uh is his um, pseudonym that is well known throughout kind of that, that world. But he talks about, um, I thought it was interesting because he says he's in the camp that no code is not the branding win people believe it to be for companies or practitioners. And I know Camille, you and I have had this discussion in the past of whether no code, mean, what means what people think it means. Uh, I'd be curious, Ben, your thought working at a bigger enterprise is no code something like on their radar? How do they think about these types of tools? Yeah, so it depends on who you ask. There, There is a common thread amongst certain product-oriented people that one of the best things you can do for your team is to get non-engineers involved with development work. Now, obviously knowing some code is really helpful to that, but there's a pretty big gap between taking a marketer, for example, and teaching them like what you can do with automation 
and actually giving them the coding tools to be able to do that. Not honestly, not everyone needs to know how to code. So the idea of a no-code tool, Airtable is an easy database, Zapier is an easy automation platform, and Tegramat is an easy but more advanced automation uh, platform. And showing what's even possible, there's a lot of power there, because then you move the 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 inertia of, oh, we need to change this process from some separate team to the people who are actually doing this work on a daily basis. So giving individuals and individual teams the tools to be able to refine their own work and make their lives easier is really great. But on top of that, there's also a move, I don't know what to really call it, among some companies where you start to see these like specialist no or like a no code ops teams, operations teams, they're product experts, they do know how to code, but their goal is to come in and partner with different teams in the organization and get them set up really quickly to do work. But their job is also to sort of start implementing the framework on a company-wide level to start plugging in all of these different teams together. Um, it's top-down, but it's it's also bottom-up because you want the teams to understand what's being implemented and all of the data to flow into like a centralized way. Uh, but you also want to set up best practices and not spend six figures on these proprietary solutions that at the end of the day are going to break in a couple years when that vendor goes out of business. Um, so. It, sometimes it's called no code, but uh, a lot of it is just, you know, like automating your ops, your operations or yeah. streamlining things where you can either depend on open source or much more easily accessible tools. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard of people saying that like every company needs like a, a C level, like chief automation officer, you know, something like that, that really drives operations automation within the enterprise could be interesting new opportunity for for people that that you know can can think in that realm and create a, I think there is a burgeoning data operations data automation something some new industry formulating around that cool let's move on so we got time to learn more about Ben we'll revisit some of those topics uh, in the next segment um if you're interested i thought this one was a good article on airtable's blog i found it on airtable by talking with uh their ux strategy and um i believe he yeah, he's head of research so andy hopefully you're doing more research on uh the new um the new pop-up uh Expanded oh, record model. Expanded record. Thank you. <laughs> expanded record form. I don't know if Andy was in charge of that, um, but there might have been a little bit more research needed for that one. <laughs> okay, let's go on to the uh, LinkedIn community. If you're not aware, this is a relatively new community, although it's already grown to thousands of users or people that signed up. Um, this was a cool, if you like, again, just real world examples. Maybe someday we'll get Sophie on. We'll have to reach out to her and, and get her to come on and show us this. But a uh, real world example of how to use Airtable with Zapier to perform signed PDFs. She does a video walkthrough with a step-by-step -step setup. So I always like highlighting these real world um, use cases and examples. So you can check this one out in the link. 
And one more from LinkedIn. Um, this one I thought was interesting. So we talked, I think last week we talked about the summary of the, uh, the uh, table talk with the chief of product at Airtable. And this person was asking if there's a way to email like a CSV attachment file that could auto populate um, their Airtable data. And I just want to highlight that, that that actually was something that the chief product officer mentioned was in the pipeline of coming something. I don't know exactly what it'll look like, but he mentioned that there would be some way to like email data into Airtable. So some kind of email that's received and parses your data and auto populates your Airtable in some regards. So that was interesting. Somebody asked this just this week. And I believe uh, they actually somebody in the comments mentioned that 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 was on the uh, roadmap, according to the chief product officer. So if that's a feature that you need, then then hold on, it, it might be coming. I won't um, I won't share anything other than that it's on the roadmap because they're confirming it here. But yes, it does exist. It does yeah. exist. Cool. Awesome. Good to hear that. Okay, that kind of wraps up our. Uh, discussion of what's going on in the world of Airtable. Um, and we'll always continue that discussion. Feel free to ask any questions of anything else going on there. Next, before I want move on. Yeah. Before we move on, I actually saw some other news that might be relevant to the community. Integramat yeah. rebranded. They are now called Make. Make formerly Integramat. And they seem to have quite a nice new uh, UI. Uh, they just a reskin, basically. Um, but they, they uh, are making big moves, interestingly. Um, Make.com. Make.com slashing. Yeah, there we go. Um, so they're, Actually, you know, they, they got acquired like what, a year ago or two years ago? Yeah. Um, so I think this is probably just wow. a, a significant step in that. But yeah, that's uh, wow. relevant to the community. Yeah, that's, uh, quite the domain name. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's uh, really cool. Yeah, I wonder uh, what that will mean. That's that's a pretty big rebranding. I wonder if they'll uh, they got acquired by a pretty big company that typically has like enterprise clients, and so the fear was that they'd go more up market because they they um, usually were cheaper than like Zapier. So it'll be. I'm always curious to see where they're gonna go with their with their market. Cool. Thanks for uh, bringing that to our attention. So if you're using Integramat, now it's make.com. Um, we'll see if their pricing changes. Looks like it's still low priced, um, significantly cheaper than, than Zapier in a lot of regards. So I know there's fans um, in of our listeners that are big uh, Integramat users. So let's see how that goes. <clears throat> So it looks like they made some of their apps premium. So that might be one of the changes they're making. All right, let's move on. Ontair is the primary sponsor of the Built-in Air community. It's an all-in-one toolkit and apps to run your business on Airtable. For today's show, I want to highlight last week we had Sherry Yang on. And I should have done this when she was on, but uh, never better late than never. So this is a case study that we did at Ontair with Cherry and how she's using our products to 
um, generate automated documents. So we have an integration with um, Google Docs and you can generate invoices and use Google Docs as your template creator. So anything that you can kind of do in Google Docs, the one cool functionality that we have that's that's unique um, and that is the ability to generate uh, tables that can be as long as you need them to be. They can go multi-page and they're based off of linked records. So you can generate invoice line items, things like that. And you can format them exactly how you want them in Google Docs and then automatically generate the PDF and save it back as an attachment inside of your record in Airtable. So deep integration between Airtable and Google Docs. We also have integrations with Google Sheets and Google Slides. This case study that we'll link to in the notes is mostly focused on Google Docs and how Cherry and her consulting team uses um, Ontair for their clients and have had great success there. So check out that case study. And now I'm gonna learn about uh, Ben. So Ben, why don't you give us a little bit of history? Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you're up to, how you found Airtable, what your experience has been in that world. Sure thing. So I'm Ben Bailey. I run content marketing at Frame.io. We were acquired by Adobe in the fall. Let's see, that would have been like October. Uh, so it's been a really wild ride going from startup life. We were 200 people. I joined Frame.io in 2018 when we were like 60. So pretty big change already getting to where we were. And then now I work at one of the largest companies in the world, which is really wild. Uh, very relieved that uh, Adobe is also a big Airtable user. So wasn't going to have to give up one of my favorite tools. Uh, I discovered Airtable in 2018, not long after I started with Frame.io. And I guess I should back up. Frame.io is the world's leading collaboration and creation tool for video teams. So whether you're in pre-production, set design or costume design or you're on set shooting or directing or you're in post-production doing vfx or editing or you're in distribution and actually taking that content and getting it out to the world frame.io let your team work together in real time from anywhere in the world so check us out frame.io and uh we have integrations with most any tool you can think of including airtable so there's there's a lot of really incredible automation opportunity uh between like our service, our platform, and a lot of the other tools that you're familiar with. So I discovered Airtable not long after joining Frame.io because we were we were we were basically writing a book. We were doing this really huge, huge content project with several dozen different collaborators, and we needed a way to keep everyone in sync and have really detailed tracking of all this different content. And at the time, the team was using Asana for like team task management. Um, and I couldn't put words on it at the time. I didn't know why, but uh, I, I'm a bit of a nerd and I really dive into any new tool and I check what all, check out what all the different little buttons and menus do. And I couldn't have explained this at the time, but I was like, there's something different about Airtable where I can like really get everything laid out the way I need it to. And it's, it's the difference between having access to the database layer and being able to separate out what you want to do from like the syntax that the tool wants you to use. Asana is really not that much different from like Microsoft uh, Tasks or Google Tasks or whatever. It's just they give you the vocabulary. They give you the structure of how they think work should be done. And for a lot of teams, that really works out fine. But for more complicated work or really collaborative work that requires a lot of different types of work, you need to really be able to 
take what's in your head and and build a system that fits exactly that. So you don't have to relearn. You know, uh, Sana calls it a task. Um, Microsoft Tasks calls it like a check or something. Uh, but this is ultimately the same piece of data, like the same data entity. Airtable just lets you do whatever you need. So we started using Airtable then. And then it was just the slow migration. Oh, well, we could use Airtable for this. Oh, now then obviously we could use it for this. And so we have been using Airtable and the co content marketing team for that whole time. This last year in the spring, summer, we were doing a study to figure out internally, okay, we've got our marketing departments really growing at this point. How do we start integrating all these other teams? Because you want a centralized tool where people are tracking work and integrating and stuff. <clears throat> for for context, I, I have always sort of been pushing the boundaries of what Airtable could do. And I work in software, so like I can think in the the way that like a software development team might be like, okay, well they've built this thing. Maybe the next thing they're building is this. And so I've always been waiting on that next thing. And there are like two things I knew we would need before our team could really use Airtable in any significant way. And the first one was automation, just wasn't going to work without it. And then like basically a, a UI, like the, the data layer, the logic layer, and the display layer. Like having everyone in an Airtable base is fine, but as soon as you start doing complicated things or you start getting users in your base who are not used to that kind of thing, it all just falls apart. And being an enterprise user, Airtable runs a lot of experiments on me. I'm on basically any beta or alpha or just like QA uh, call they want to do. Like, how would you approach this problem? So I knew these things were coming. And this last, what was that? September, August, they were like, try out interface designer. Yay, we all knew it was coming, but I got to start tinkering. And so, uh, yeah, it's just been a kind of a slow roll of taking a look at our team's processes and figuring out how Airtable can can meet those needs. Uh, there's still there's still a ways to go. I think we all agree there's yeah. still a ways to go with yeah. Interface Designer, uh, mm -hmm. but it's it's a good first foray into what's possible. And I, I Jen Rudd, who's uh, many of you know, grow with Jen. She and I have been working together for a couple months on just some like base maintenance and I'm, I wear a lot of different hats and like I'm a big Airtable nerd but I don't have a lot of time every week to really get in there so she's really been helping and I think she's the one who said like it's amazing that in the year since automation and multi-base sync came out the way we use Airtable has changed and that's going to continue to happen I was like yeah that's really true yeah. like how we use Airtable now and my team is pretty different than when we first started. And I think that's really going to continue. Um, I, I'm doing this big, I mean, you'll probably see some of it in the demo today. I deleted like a dozen different fields that just aren't relevant anymore when you stop using a table as though it was a front end. So mm -hmm. I'm pretty excited about what's coming. Um, but the perpetual issue of just like, can, can you please build it our table? Just like build this thing. That's what we need. And then, <laughs> you know, they have their own priorities. <laughs> Well, yeah. Could you talk about um, what adoption has been like? You know, you're you're a bit more like cutting edge, willing to adopt new. Like, how has how has it been like getting others to adopt Airtable, getting it spread out into the into the other teams that you interact with? Has that been a challenge? Or yes, one of the toughest lessons I learned since joining a like a, a team of of like significant people. What is this? What's in the bottom left corner? 
weird. Something in my video frame. I think it's just, oh, it's an overlay. I see. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> one of the best lessons I've, I've learned is that not everybody likes to tinker. I love to. Like, I like to dive into tools and get it to work exactly the way I want to. And so, like, two years ago, I, I did, uh, I set something up for this team who we work very closely with. It's like, all right. And, like, you can build your own views and, like, make it look exactly the way you want to. And none of them did anything. I was like, but why? Like, you know, it could be so much better for you. It's like time, interest, and, like, new tools are scary. It's still amazing to me that I can drop someone into a spreadsheet or I could drop someone into an Airtable like table that that does the same thing but graphically and they're like whoa that's too complicated it's like what <laughs> like, like how is that more complicated and it's just because we have culturally professionally like the common experience of having been greeted by a whole bunch of little squares and you can click one and type stuff into it but when you get into an air table it's like well this works differently there's just there's a big hurdle to get over that um i think we have um there's a lot of promise with interface designer. Everyone is used to apps. These things make it super easy, right? The more we can make it look and feel like the tools people are used to, while also building on top of it, uh, to, or building underneath it actually, to, to really uh, craft the processes and workflows that we need to, to do things better. Um, I think that will help a lot. There's still the issue of, uh, so so one of my biggest gripes with something like Asana or any other team task manager is it's essentially just that. Track these binary checks. These yeah. are the two values. And sure, you can add custom metadata, but everyone has their own way of like keeping track. I don't actually use a task manager. I just keep everything in my head. I use workflow management stuff so that I can remember how, like at what stage a project might be, but I don't use like a task. Some people write things down. Some people use like uh, the iPhone notes app or the task app or whatever. Everyone has a different way for how they are tracking those, you know, minimum granular things. Uh, that's actually, a, I've learned a pretty significant barrier to team adoption of, of any tool, because if it doesn't fit their, the way that they actually do work, it's going to impede them. It's going to interrupt their flow. They're not going to be as effective. And they feel like they're being micromanaged. I have to change my process the way I work best to fit this other thing. So I have taken, and I've had a lot of, of like, we've had a lot of false starts and failure to adopt with a whole bunch of different tools. Um, something that we set up that we thought would work that didn't quite work the way we wanted, or you build something and then your team changes or your process changes. And so, oh man, we gotta go back and redo it. So I, I've started to think more along the lines of like, we're not building a system that the whole team will use. We need to build the fabric that connects all of these different contributors and teams so that they can work the way that they want to but we are still getting the data and the information flow that we need to like coordinate work together. Um, I, I, there's someone at our company who was like, but Airtable is just not a, a project management system. It's like, well, what do you mean by that? It's like, well, Asana is a project management system. <laughs> and it's like, well, like if you mean you can check boxes and like, sure, it's more difficult just out of the box to do that in Airtable. But like, if you're talking about coordinating teams of dozens of people, each with specialized workflows and technical requirements, then like Asana doesn't do that. Very few tools do that. Lots of big, lots of big custom tools will do that. But Airtable allows you to build exactly what you need um, to, to, to get your team over the line faster. 
and a lot a lot simpler than having to cobble together bunches of different uh, proprietary tools. And for anybody else who works at a software company or a big corporate company, boy, tool creep is a real thing. Well, this team yeah. uses this tool and this team uses this tool and like they don't talk to each other at all. Um, and so when you have you know, automation platforms, Integrum Rand Zapier, uh, whatever, and then you've got a common database uh, that you can all bring that information into. Um, that's really helpful. Did I answer yeah. your question? I kind of went on a, on a tangent. Yeah, no, that's good. What What are your biggest uh, wish list items for Airtable that would make your life easier? Oh man, there's so many. Uh, one of the biggest <laughs> frustrations I have right now is like they rolled out. I personally think that Interface Designer was rolled out too early. Um, they, they that that was barely an alpha um, when they started rolling it out. Um, there's just some core features that like it just doesn't pass the first step of like, is this product ready for people to use? Like you can't create a new record inside of interface designer. Like that yeah. that's just like core functionality of an app. Um, there are some weird graphical like UX UI things they haven't fixed since October when they, you know, opened the beta. Um, there's a lot of half, half thought through processes. Like I was on a call I was on a call and they asked me like, if you were at an agency and you were setting up like a, a process to do this, how would you do it in Airtable? And I was like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't do use Airtable for this. It's, it's that moving from the thinking of like, you're getting everyone in the same tool to you're building the fabric to connect everything together. Um, and I, and I, and I get that Airtable has the, the difficult challenge of having to build a tool that can be used by like basically any team. Um, but that does mean there's some blind spots. Right. Um, but the wish list is definitely like being able to create new records, um, much more robust um, uh, uh, interactive features. Like buttons are not, except for open URL, like you can't run scripts from Interface Designer. Obviously, apps aren't working at all inside of Interface Designer. Um, you know, these are all my, my gripe list, but there is this yeah. pie in the sky, like wish list I have that I think is really the golden goose that everyone wants to catch, um, whether it's Coda or Notion or Airtable or whatever. And it's this melding of document management and project management. Like, that's one of the hardest problems to solve in in like business. Yeah, You need the, this very robust, customizable database layout you get from an Airtable, but you gotta have core document editing functionality that just doesn't meld with that like tracking changes and commenting and permissions and all of the things that go into a document you just that takes a lot of work coda is doing a cool job with some of their stuff but they went i think they went too far on the document side and you, you know you lose some of the database functionality yeah. um, that said they've raised a bajillion dollars so you know, we'll see where that goes. Yeah, Notion similar, you know, really cool tool. Um, but I, I think this is really the intersection we're going to see a lot of really cool development. And I'm, I'm hopeful that Airtable, I've, I've pitched to them a long time ago, like have a bring your own docs model, whether you're using Google Docs or Office 365 or Quip or whatever, have some app or integration where you can interact with that. Um, Microsoft is actually doing something interesting, and I know that is a wild statement, but they have this this thing they've showed up called Loop. Um, as best I can tell, it's like a mixture of like the interactive elements Notion. of Coda or Notion, yeah. but sort of integrated into the rest of your like Microsoft ecosystem. Um, 
we'll yeah. see how that works out. Microsoft has a tendency to, you know, shoehorn in features in the wrong way, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. That's that's a problem that I think, um, yeah, you. I, I'm always comparing, like I use Notion for kind of the document management um, side of things. and But you do kind of need that bridge. And I kind of share the same, like I, I always evaluate Coda and I, I agree, I think they kind of went too far. Um, but there is something missing from Airtable where it doesn't have any document management component to it. So that will be interesting if, if they can ever address that. So cool. Camille, any questions, any thoughts there before we move on? I have my own wish list for interface designer, but (laughs) I'd love to hear it. Honestly, uh, I was, I was pretty involved in the beta, but I, since like, I got to the point where they're like, please use it. I'm like, I still can't create records. Like I haven't spent a whole lot of time in it. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't fully adopted it yet either because of that. Um, it was either last week or the week before where I built an interface that I want to use, um, for my sort of day-to-day job and it's missing just like I'd say three major things that are kind of the roadblock number one is being able to create new records easily number two is if it's called interface designer I feel like it should have been responsive um, or at least have some level of response responsiveness and it doesn't it just sort of I don't know if you've ever tried to print um, a view from interface designer but it, it it refuses to do so in a manner that makes any sense. Um, And um, some form of navigation, like buttons that are like button fields attached to records, like, yeah, you don't, I see that they didn't put in the app dashboard thing, so that's why they can't activate. But in terms of having a button element that lets you go to a different page in your interface designer or open up a, a URL, like it shouldn't have to be, a field attached to records to just navigate your interface in a manner that's, you know, well thought out. So there's, there's, there's bits that are missing that can be added later, but they're not there now, which means it's less likely to be sort of implemented fully. I worry what this means is in to your point about buttons attached to records. I'll show that in my demo um, because I'm using that. Um, but it's going to do exactly what Airtable has done before. They're forcing us to work within these confines of like how Airtable currently works. And then in the year, once they've added all these new features, what should have been there from the beginning? We're gonna be like, oh, we've got to re-engineer everything. Right. And like our thinking is going to have to adjust with how do we use interface designer? Because I feel very confined in the way of how I'm using interface designer now because of the tools they've made available to us. Yeah. Yeah, that that's one of the reasons why it's like I don't want to have to re redo these things. I'll just wait till they get the the version that should have been the first version out there. So we'll see that. Cool. Well, why don't we uh, jump on in to sure, your interface? Okay. If you want to share your screen, this segment's called a case for interface, and Ben's going to share with us a real world example of how. That's being done in an enterprise as big as his. Okay. Can you see my screen now? Uh, it's not being shared yet. Chrome has lost permission to capture. Hold on one second. 
Apologies. No worries. Go through some of the comments. Yeah, Justin mentioning the ability to create our own elements and automation triggers. I think, I think uh, I've definitely voiced my opinion similar to this. Um, that's how a true platform would really make it extendable and allow the third party to fill in those missing gaps of where Airtable is lacking. Mm. So one day they'll they'll figure that out. <clears throat> and uh, to someone's point earlier, they were talking about premium, uh, Twitter being a premium integration on Integromat. Uh, I think yeah, that's yeah. actually on Twitter because Twitter, if you're going to be Integromat, you're going to have active pinging and stuff. Twitter actually charges you on the API front for like how frequently you're accessing their data. So that's not Integromat's fault. That's just how Twitter and Facebook and Instagram's business models are. Uh, Chrome is telling me I have to restart Chrome to be able to share my screen. So I apologize. <laughs> I'll be back in like 10 seconds. Okay. No worries. All yeah. right. Um, yeah. I see a question from Kavan. Any word on a way to get more apps in a new pro workspace? Um, I don't know. Um, the sort of recent adjustment for uh, pricing model for pro workspaces is that um, instead of having unlimited app installations per base, you're now limited to 10. Um, I think we've sort of discovered that if you disable an app, it will let you add an 11th app. I don't know what happens if you try to enable that app again afterward. Um, it's, you know, I wouldn't count on it. It feels like a very easy workaround. So I would have assumed they would have accounted for that, but I'm not sure. Yeah. All right. I'm back. All right, ben, like now we can see it. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, took a live base that we have and super sanitized it. So uh, it's not going to have fully robust or like real world believable stuff in here. Um, like I only made three views. Um, this is not how you would actually be running a base like this uh, if you were trying to use the front end, but you get the idea. So the basic data hierarchy we care about here are projects. Those are the concepts of how we arrange our work. Generally, it's like some work you want to do by some time for some outcome. It's a basic idea. Next is tasks, work you got to do, and then creative deliverables. What are things that we are producing for this project to meet the end? That could be an email, that could be an image, that could be a video. It could also be like a blog article. So there's a pretty big thing. Then two utility tables here on just the people on the team. Uh, I don't use the collaborator field uh, because collaborator fields to date don't allow you to have all kinds of different information you can have. Uh, so I just use link record to this team members field and then resources, which is just like, you know, links and stuff. Um, but this, as you can probably guess, is really overwhelming. Like someone comes in here and they're like, whoa, like there's a lot of information here. And then also like, even if you had it filtered to one project at a time, well then like, oh, well, what are the deliverables for this project? Let me just scroll all the way to the right and figure that out. So it's just not really a really good way to track projects at a high level. And so this is where interfaces potentially could be really helpful. So I've, I've got this idea of like the marketing operations hub. So whether this is marketing leadership or frontline creative teams or the, the coordination teams in between, this is where you're coming to view information at a particular uh, uh, information for particular projects. To, so you can really 
understand what's happening. And there's two things I really wanted to focus on for this demo. And the first is the briefing process. So before you really commit resources to a project, you want to make sure that like it can be done within the time frame you want and that the objectives you're aiming for are something you actually want to do. Because like when you have lots of different opportunities for work, you got to kind of narrow it down. You can't say yes to everything, so you got to figure it out. So the briefing process is where people submit new project ideas, and then you have a marketing leadership team, MLT, who reviews stuff and prioritizes. They're the strategic leaders of the different component teams. They're the ones who make the decision on like, we're going to do this, or we're going to do this, but we're going to change change like this particular aim, or we're not going to do this. Um, so there's the briefing process. And then there's like the operational management of a project. What task, what stage are each of the tasks and deliverables at? How do we make sure that people are getting everything done and empowered to do their best work? Um, so first thing, I made a welcome page because I miss the info bubble. Um, <laughs> so just a little welcome page explaining. If we want people to adopt, you need them to be understand what's happening. So just kind of explaining uh, what they're being greeted by. So the first thing is just the hyperlink out to a uh, uh, a base where I've got multi-base syncing from our different content pipelines. I'm not going to pull that up because it's actually live. Uh, the next is just explaining like, hey, this is how we're going to stay in sync around project planning. It also gives them a link to a project submission form, which we'll take a look at in a second. Next, we have a little explanation and a shared gallery view of our lovely team. So this, I, I'm imagining interface designer could actually be really helpful for team onboarding. So you'd have information here, like schedule a call, like a button to schedule a call or whatever, um, so that you can meet people. Filing cabinet, uh, if you use an external document system, SharePoint or OneDrive or Google Drive or whatever, uh, you could have a link to it here. And then uh, some sort of integration here where if you have a question, you can reach out to somebody. So that's just our welcome page. Uh, but before we look at the brief thing, let's let's build a project together. So let's just call this like Ben's new cool project. We're going to do something fun. And the reason we're going to do it is to have fun. All right, so then we've got some specific questions that we should think about. Who is this for? Well, this is for existing customers, and uh, it's going to be a new feature, something totally net new. And then what kind? Enterprise or retail? Uh, let's go retail. It's like we all, we, we're all retail customers at heart, so let's go after that. And, and you can obviously tailor your, oops, you can tailor your um, project proposal form however you want. But this is just like a, a quick and dirty way to do it. So let's submit that. And it's actually going to redirect me to an interface that is the rest of the brief for me to fill out. Um, so before I dive into this, I want to highlight something that Jen Rudd showed me, uh, which I think is really helpful. So that redirect link is the app, so the specific interface address with the specific page we're on. And this question mark is the little, um, uh, what are they called? Like square modifier or whatever. Yeah. And then this right here, it took me a second to figure it out. This is basically the uh, the record picker. And if it's an inbox field, it's the inbox. Um, so then you can actually just have a formula where it takes the record ID, and then it will spit you to the interface of the particular with the particular record in view that you want. So neat little trick. And we'll use that a couple times throughout here. So all right, so we're on this uh, the, the, this brief form. And so now it wants to me to fill out more information. It pulled in the basic stuff. Um, so let's say it was a video. I could, in my document management system, write that script, paste the link here. Same thing if I was an art director, we needed a brand treatment for that project. I could paste it here. We could set a launch date. We can fill out all this information. 
and this is where we had to get a little crafty to um, there's an automation that will automatically create tasks. Um, but to create new things, we did a very simple automation. We originally did a button, but button scripts don't work here, where if you ch check the box and automation runs and poof, it adds a new automation or it adds a new uh, a task. Same thing with deliverables. If you take the box, uh, it will very slowly right now. That's interesting. Um, it it'll, it'll add new. It'll add new deliverables, and then you can like say what type it is, and say who the owner is, and blah 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 blah. So that's the basic idea, and this is for the person proposing the thing. So I, I couldn't show it exactly here because it'd actually be a separate interface. But uh, the idea is that you also have another dashboard where once all this information is complete, it's not editable. It goes to the marketing leadership team who reviews all this information, and then when the different component people agree that like this is the direction we want, they check the box. Once they've all checked, it, it moves to the next stage. It says, okay, this project has been approved by MLT. Then it goes to like a waiting kickoff or whatever your next step is. Um, so kind of a simple way to mirror a doc, but have it actually be live rather than uh, before we had a thing where when a form was created, it would spit out a quip doc and fill in variables. Well, the problem with that was like anytime anything changed in Airtable or anything changed in Equip, they didn't talk to each other. Um, this just allows you for the project brief to keep uh, everything in sync. Um, so that's the, the brief layer. But you'll have seen that I have a, a little button here for project dashboard. So this is like the marketing operations side of things. Just gives you a quick overview of the work that is happening. Where are my records? None of them have dates, I guess. Um, gives you a quick idea of the work that is happening for a project, you can you know have a chart to show how much work is left to be done or how close you are to completion. You've got a timeline view here. I don't know where the records are. I guess I don't have dates. And then at the bottom, we have our list views for actually tracking work. Um, I put this together in like an hour, so don't don't uh, judge it too much. It's very ugly. Um, I missed, uh, forgot to turn off that label. Uh, and then we also have a button to go back to the brief. So if you're reading a uh, uh, a project dashboard, but you've forgotten like some key information, you can go back and forth between the project and the dashboard. Um, so that's the basic premise. You could then spin off special, uh, there, and I should say there's two There's two views here. So there's like the inbox view to, for ops to quickly bounce back and forth. But if you're on a brief and you want to see this particular project's dashboard without the inbox, that's, that's what the separate view is for. Um, I'm actually, talking about feature requests, you know, you have the ability to add an element that's the record picker, but you can't add an element that is an inbox, which seems very strange to me. Um, yeah. And and that's the thing that's on the left-hand side of the screen where it'll like list each record, that yeah. thing. Right yep, there. this thing. They've called it yeah. all kinds of things. I saw it called a record triage at one time. Don't call it that, Airtable. <laughs> Do not call it that. Um, uh, but there, there's one quick tip. So the thing we talked about earlier where you take the URL for the app and page and then the, the little picker. Um, I was getting this weird thing where I would click back and forth and then eventually it would hit me to edit mode. Something I did not know is if you are in edit mode, it has an extra little bit of the query or of the URL here. Um, so if that edit is in there and you are using that, it will put you back in edit mode. And so that actually breaks the like pick this particular record functionality. It'll always just go back to the very first record in the list. Um, so that's something I learned today as I was getting this demo ready. Um, any questions or or you want me to, to elaborate on anything else? 
No, I'm impressed. This is cool. I mean, I think this is an awesome usage of all the different elements and how you can get them to jump back and forth between each other. So definitely great use case of a real example of how to use interface. And you can see the potential of as they add more functionality here, how it could really be used. Something that I'm seeing just on the screen with what you were just doing, going through the record picker and then selecting a different record to load for this interface. Something that I've done in, in apps that I've developed, um, you would have something like that where you would have a drop down and you'd be able to select a record, but there'd be a left and a right button as well. So you could just iterate through the list of records. And I'm pretty sure um, uh, onto Air's Amplify does this as well, where you're like looking at a bunch of linked records, you could just hit a right arrow and just go through instead of having to click and look through the list. Um, yeah, that's really I, interesting. I would I would like that in um, Interface Designer. It's very simple and very easy to code. I know because I've coded it. <laughs> Another so. thing that I think would be really helpful is the ability to have these these elements, but that are hidden. So like the, when you click the button and you follow the URL, it knows to display it for this information for this app. But like, there might be times where like for the marketing leadership team, for example, they might press a button and accidentally end up on the wrong thing. I want certain things to be hidden. And like that might include a record picker, um, but there's no way to do that. Yeah, that would be cool too. Yeah. It's a sort of similar problem where with form views, you can have a form pre-filled, um, but you can only pre-fill fields that are visible to the user. You can't pre-fill something that is hidden on the form. Um, it would be great if that were added to both forms and to um, Interface Designer. Yeah, good stuff. Thank you. Thank you, Ben, for uh, sharing that with us. Yeah. So and I'm really hoping that there will be a lot more to share in the future because like, there's a lot of other things you can do with individual team tracking um but we just you know gotta wait and see yeah yeah we'll have you back once the uh yeah it'll be I, i'm curious when the timing of the next round of changes they haven't really done like small incremental updates to interface and hopefully there's a big one coming soon well i'm you know i wasn't super concerned about interface designer missing a bunch of stuff on launch because it was announced as a beta, but it's been some time since it's been announced as a beta without much visible change from user yeah. end. So that's, to me, that's where the problem lies. If, it, if we were still like a month out from its original launch as a beta, I'd be like, yeah, that's, stuff's going to be missing, but it's been a few months and some of this stuff is very simple. Yeah. Yeah, I know. It, I know they mentioned it's it's on their top priority list, so we should see something. So we'll wrap up. Just a quick plug for Built On Air community. Check us out. Join us on builtonair.com/slash/join. You can get our weekly newsletter and our podcast, and uh, join our Slack community. And there's we're approaching a thousand. We're short. We're just like ten people short of a thousand. So the next ten people that join, I will be waiting anxiously for you to get in. I want to hit that thousand mark maybe this week. This might be our week. So tell your friends, get your coworkers to join us in the Slack. There's lots of conversations going on. Ben and Camille and myself are in there and we'd love to have you on there. So with that, we'll wrap up. We'll save our app a day for another 
uh, week. And with that, we'd love to hear what you are all building on air. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Camille. Of course. Thank you for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor, ontair.com, and we will see you next time on the Built on Air podcast.